Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Meanwhile, at a casting session just across town... Well, I really have no idea who's going to play this part. I mean, on one hand, they have to play it mostly with almost no fingers, and on the other hand, they have to kiss Eric Stoltz on the mouth and everything. Celia, um, can you send in Hope Davis? Thank you. Hello, how are you all doing today, then? Oh, my, what a lovely room. Oh, so shall I just crack on, then, shall I? <laughs> Wait, hang on. Who are you? Hope Davis. Who? Hoop. Davis. Oh, that explains it. I'm sorry, there's been some kind of horrible mistake. You see, I wanted Hope Davis. Right, well, I'm Hope Davis. Well, I can see that, but I was rather looking for celebrated but miserably faced actress of stage and screen, guaranteed to crop up in a whimsical indie movie about one man's struggle to get over the death of his guinea pig and not, with all due respect, some pillock in a Motley Crue t-shirt. Right, well, I'm here now, so maybe give me a go. I'm Hope Davis. Yes, but you see, I was looking for Hope Davis. I get that, but I'm Hoop Davis. It's like hope, but instead it's hoop. No E, granted, but I do have two O's. I really don't care if your name was all E's and ended in a silent T. I want to see Hope Davis, and so if you don't get out of this office and go bother someone else with your peculiar smell and offensive beard, I will be forced to go to the bathroom on you. Oh, now, come on, Squire. Why not give old Hoop Davis a try for old time's sake? <laughs> First of all, Hoop, we don't have any old times, thank Hulk Hogan and all his little Hogans. And secondly, the part is meant for a woman, and you are quite clearly... Other. Oh, don't get all hung up on gender bias, me old chum. Let's sow two fairs and an eight. Now, those don't matter if you're male, female, bit of both, part of a hedgehog, several parts of a hedgehog, or half parakeet and half Phil Collins. All are welcome at the plowman's table, me old china, me old rubber duck, me old splinters pudding, me old... Stop, 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 stop with all those appalling and incorrect cockney colloquialisms. It's enough that I haven't jumped onto this table and inserted hot spiky things into your eyeballs. But seeing as I'm seemingly never going to get out of here anytime soon and Hope Davis seems to be completely AWOL, probably accepting a hypoallergenic organic award printed on recyclable tissue squares by old Chilean lesbians for playing a cancer patient who miserably learns how to play the mandolin while falling in love with a misunderstood zookeeper played by Greg Kinnear, I may as well give you a go, Hope Davis. A little while later... And that is why, Alan, I can and will never love you. And yet also why I love you more than I've ever loved anybody ever. Kiss me, because after tonight, you will never see me again. My business for making face cloths out of old hemp and knitted almonds has taken off, and I'm moving to South Carolina with Gladys. Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, my God, Hoop! Hoop! Davis, you're a discovery. You're amazing. You made me feel like I was really Alan. My whole life has been a lie. You've got the part. Of course you've got the part. You are the part. I felt like you've not just lived the role of Susan, but absorbed her, eaten her, engulfed her, taken her to bed and let her hog the blankets. You're a wonder. Never leave my sight. I want to, well, not exactly marry you, but move in with you, maybe. Study you and learn what makes your brain move. I will watch you while you sleep. Oh, Hoop, Hoop Davis. Celia, <coughs> draw up the contracts, will you? <coughs> Come in. Hello, sorry I'm late. It's Hope Davis. Get out, get out. Hope, you sham of a farce of a parody of a face. Damn you, Hope Davis. Damn you to hell and back.
Find out what happens next time on Radio Flange Goblet's leading soap opera, Where the Wind Shines, written by Pinky Pinkerton and Hoop Days. Next, it's the After Movie Diner, which started life as a tree carving made by a simpleton to give to a dog who had sadly already died of whooping cough. But now, it's this weird film discussion program on a fictional radio station you all just listened to, because, well, I don't know why, really. Anyway, on with the usual gubbins. This is going to be interesting. Um, this is a new episode, brand new episode of the After Movie Diner, but I am back with my regular co This is an old episode of the After Movie Diner. I haven't, but you told me off for saying yet another episode. So every week... Well, you retire, you have to say... No, I understand. But every other week now, I have to try and think of how to introduce it, because you went, don't oh, say yet another episode, just say... So, hello, and welcome to the latest episode, or the newest episode, or an episode, I don't know. Anyway, I've broken your spirit so within like you two have. minutes. Within two uh, minutes, you've crushed spirit. my spirit. So anyway, um, hello and welcome to uh, another episode. Is another episode? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It was hello. the yet. It was the yet that bothered you. It bothered you intently. So uh, hello and welcome to another episode of the After Movie <laughs> Diner. This is the fifteenth time I've tried to introduce it, and we tonight are in Jimmy's Deep diner. Deep fried devil eggs. Yeah. Uh, we're in Jimmy's Diner uh, on Union Street in Brooklyn uh, because our regular diner, Kellogg's Diner, was being used for the brand new Jennifer Lopez and isn't it like Ray, Ray Liotta? Ray Liotta. Yeah. I mean, who put those two people together? Did someone have a mad dream and just like that together. and that person just bung them together? Well, no, the way they went is we want Jennifer Lopez and we need somebody who's older than Jennifer Lopez. Right. But not as famous, but still famous. And a bloke. <laughs> and Ray Liotta. And they, and they, and they fed it into a computer yeah. and they came back with Ray Liotta and Kelsey yeah. Grammer. <laughs> and they went, don't go near Grammar with a barge ball. Grammar and Lopez do not, not get mix. on. Yeah, they're not, like, neither since the celebrity golf tournament in uh, Miami went yeah, really weird. went really wrong yeah. and, uh, but no so we've come to uh, Jimmy's Diner which is uh, awesome and bohemian and hip and cool and very Brooklyn and we're sat at the bar and Jim and I are perusing the menu and yeah. the movie we watched tonight is Larry Cohen's The Stuff The Stuff which is actually not going to be very pleasant to talk about while, we while we're eating. No, true. Maybe we should talk about it before the food comes, and then we'll talk about something different while we're eating. Yeah. And then we can talk about it again when the food's gone. Wow, look at that. The Williams Burger. Burger with homemade potato latke, sour cream and applesauce. Wow, that sounds really good. Sounds really good. What are the sandwiches? What have we got? Chicken club? That sounds good. Jimmy's burger is just a burger. Just a burger. I'm tempted by the pulled pork. I'm also tempted by the cube. What about the catfish fingers? Where's the catfish fingers? Catfish fingers up the top there. <laughs> oh. That could be nice, right? A basket of catfish fingers. Yeah, yeah right. That sounds really good. But equally, I quite fancy the cube. Alright. What are you going to get? I don't know. Oh, they also do a breakfast all day. Yeah, they do. Breakfast all day. Served all day, it says. Home fries, pork, pork, barbecue sauce, oh, that's fried it. eggs. I'm getting, ch- I'm getting chicken and waffles. Where's that? Chicken and under breakfast all day. Chicken and waffles. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting chicken and waffles. Their breakfast bowls, by the way, are amazing. I don't know if they're served all day, but this, I think it's just this bit. But these are really amazing. I think I'm going to go with the Cuban. I think I'm going to get the Cuban. All right, dude. Yeah, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to get chicken and waffles. Right. I'm quite tempted by the catfish fingers. And then we're going, I think I'm going to go with water them. each, and I'm going to have a nice big iced Coke if they um, do it. So, uh, Larry Cohen's yeah. The Stuff. Like, do you want to, like, run down... I'm going to give you... Oh, you want me to do it? Well, I don't know. I skip past things, but I get the job done fast. Right. You take forever. Yeah. And nothing gets missed out. Nothing gets missed out. How about you do it, and then I pick up the bits you drop? Okay. All right, yeah, that's That's a good way, right? That way we're working as a team. I like it. And try and lean in. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. All right, so, here we go. Oh, that's dynamite. Thank you. I think we want two chicken and waffles, right? 
two chicken and waffles if that's cool. Yes. Um, yeah, do you do just like a regular Coke soda or something? Yeah. Yeah, Coke is great. And, um, Big iced Coke. Uh, can I get tea? Yeah. What kind of tea? Can I get caramel tea or just normal tea? Caramel. Caramel tea. Caramel, that'd be lovely. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you. I think she's uh, one of us. Yes, I think she is. She's English, I think. We probably ruined her bohemianness by being other English people. Possibly, possibly. But I, I, I think I think that's still a uniqueness to us. Well, there is to you. I mean, we're sat here. We're yeah. at the end of a bar in like a tiny but very cool little like diner. Yeah, and serves, the menu looks really good. Yeah, it's kind of like southern style diner food. Yeah. Bit Cajun there, catfish, chicken catfish and waffles. That's southern. Down. Comes with the southern gravy. I just feel like ordering fish from a restaurant I've never eaten at. Always a dangerous. Time. Always a dangerous bet. But so here we are, the stuff. Well, Larry the stuff. Cohen. Sorry, yes. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm never endorsing anything Lopez does again. That's just that's going to be the Fair rant enough. of the episode. Out, I think. Out of sight was it anyway, right? It really was. That was it. That was later. it. What else did Lopez do that was any worth? The cell was mad, but not very good. But mad. Right. No, I mean you can't deny it. there were many madness points to be had with the cell, but beyond that. But I think that was. But I think, but I think that was it. I don't think I've seen her in anything. I must have seen her in something else. Anyway, we'll talk about. We'll talk, we should talk about Lopez when the food's here. Right. But we should definitely get through the stuff okay. before the food comes. The stuff, right? Okay. So, all right. So it. All right. I'll, I can. Do, I can make it real quick. Yeah. Basically. At the beginning of the movie, people find stuff growing, at, coming out of the ground, like right. white, foamy stuff, and they eat it, and it tastes good. Next thing you know, it's on every shelf in America, it's like the, it's like the hot new food item, and everybody's eating it. So, uh, a bunch of industrialists, uh, presumably also running their own food corporations, hire uh, an industrial saboteur, played by Michael Moriarty, to find out how is this stuff made, What's the ingredient so we can nick it and make our own money? Right. right? Uh, kind of at, like a Coke, Pepsi thing. Right. At the same time, a little kid in New York um, comes down one night. No, New Jersey. New Jersey, New Jersey? He oh, was in New Jersey. Jersey. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, good, Suburbs, good, basically. Good spot. Good Suburbs, spot. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Good spot, good spot. Yeah. Um, and he uh, comes downstairs in the middle of the night and he opens the fridge and he sees the stuff in the fridge yeah. moving. Right. Um, and spilling out of the tub. Yeah, spilling out of the tub. So he gets freaked out and says, I won't eat it, I won't eat it. Right. Um, to the point where he's even going like crazy in the supermarket. But everybody else uh, is going mad for this stuff and they keep eating it and keep eating it and keep eating it. And the more that Michael Moriarty digs into what this stuff is made of, the more suspicious it is. The, the FDA people who approved it have all disappeared or, or, or they're dead. Um, the... Uh, People, there was something good to do with the town that I didn't quite get. I guess the town where the people oh, live. Uh, no, the town where they were meant to have done the, exp- the, oh, the experiments. Were right. meant to have done the experiments on has all cleared out and yeah, moved to Georgia to another town. Yeah, and essentially, yeah, right. it's not. Thank you. Essentially, it's not that they they moved so much as some died and some who weren't as susceptible to it moved away like scarpered basically I thought they all moved as one to Georgia no no that was the that was the story but but I thought when he went down there there were people from the town some but like he does say at one point that they're not all susceptible to the stuff oh okay fair enough alright so anyway so the kids meanwhile the you kids, get the feeling that they scarpered from that town in Virginia for a reason well look there's a lot of there's a lot of there's know, a lot left out yeah it is but essentially the, the idea scrappy. is the idea is that right. Michael Mar- the more Michael Moriarty looks into it the more efficient it becomes and the more he deduces that the stuff is um, not only dangerous but that it's taking over the people that eat it from right. the inside yeah the boy reaches you know uh, not, well, he doesn't reach the same conclusion. His family start to like want to force him, so he runs away and he bumps into the. Oh, also, his family go from being miserable, grumpy, aggressive East Coast family to being like, "Be one of us, little Billy," or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, that kind of symbolic like go, of, the, of the cult. Yeah, and they go because it takes over your mind first, and then it takes over your body. Right. And then when it has no use for you, or when it's scared, it ejects itself from your body, and you become an empty husk. Right. And so Michael Moriarty and the kid. But and, what uh, its purpose is, nobody knows. Right. So the kid and uh, uh, the woman who ran the original marketing campaign. Um, Which is Moriarty's way in. 
Right, which is Moriarty's way in. He kind of Those three. Well, anyway, Moriarty looks into it. Yeah. Finds there's lots of fishy stuff going on. Right. So him, the kid, and a woman um, set about uh, finding out the source of it and shutting it down. Right. That is my summation. It is. And along the way, they meet Paul Savino, who is a militia leader. Well, that's how they, yeah, that's... Kind of a right-wing militia. I like to leave a little bit at the end. No, no, I get that. so that we can talk about it rather than like a blow-by-blow Yeah, except that I also think it plays into some of the satire points that Cohen is trying to get to. Yeah. Because he's making, like... There's not one thing he's attacking with the satire, right? He's attacking marketing, he's attacking mass production, he's attacking corporations, he's attacking the, like, uh, right-wing conspiracy agenda madness versus communism that was happening back in the 80s. Like, they kind of like a... um, uh, uh, well, they're just today's Trump supporters. Right, right, right. But also, like, like the Doctor Strange Love thing of believing that communists were putting stuff in the water, or communists were going to come over and, oh, and like right. take over a corporation yeah, I guess that was going and on, attack right. America from within and all the rest of it. Like, right. we weren't living here at that time, but you know, people who grew up uh, in the seventies and eighties talk about like the fear of the Cold War and like hiding under their desks and doing bomb drills and all that madness. Right. And the idea that. Well, that wasn't the 80s, was it? That was more 50s. I don't think they were doing... I don't think they were hiding out of their No, I think, that was, I think it was still going on in the really? 70s. Really? Well, 70s maybe, but not the 80s. No, OK. But this is like... I don't know. I think it's no, playing no, with a lot of I get that. your point that the, the, the commie, the red menace or whatever, was at least for a certain part of the population. It would have been for Paul Savino's character because yeah. he would have been of that yeah, age. Yeah, yeah. Um, And there's a great line, like... Oh, also, I don't think at any point Cohen is necessarily showing which side he is aligned with either. I think he's definitely sort of... Well, they're not much in the way of heroes. Right, that's what I mean. No one's really a hero. But even Savino, when he's... Like, he's the most despicable because he's racist and he's, you know, gun-happy. He's supposed to be, like, like, lovably racist, isn't he? But even he, at one point, like, he goes, we've never lost a war. And the kid goes, what about none? And he says, uh, we lost that one at home, kid. Which is sort of a comment on, like, the fact that um, the way the troops... The reason why everyone is like, love the troops, love the troops, love the troops right now is they realise the mistake from Nam, which was everyone hated on the troops, and then the troops came back and were all massively fucked up and bullied and couldn't get jobs and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Which is what... Which is what... Yeah, it was the public opinion. Like, people want anti the Iraq war and still are anti the Iraq war but everyone's pro the troops like no one's they realise it's the people pulling the strings are the bad ones not the people doing the killing because they're just they're the army that's what they're employed and trained to do and it's not their business to ask questions they go and do it so not to to, to change the subject right but alright so I'm just saying that Cohen is commenting on a lot of stuff should people watch this movie yes okay I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. I got the sense watching it you were not enjoying it as much as I was. Well, okay. And I think I have a reason why. Yeah, I think, that, okay. I think a lot of it stands or falls on one thing. Because actually I admired a lot of what it was doing. I liked how it barreled along. Um, I liked that it was weird and um, scattergun. And that I remember seeing this like on the shelves of video stores when I was a kid. Thinking, how did this get like an internet like we must have this on our shelves right you know? it's such a weird odd little movie right but it is the era of um ho- horror uh being sort of splat-tastic like there's a lot of like right, the okay. blob gets a remake around about right, this right, time okay. uh reanimator comes out from beyond comes out evil dead 2 is well, only two I, I years guess, away I guess, from okay, coming so, out i guess that like, was my a, that was my problem with it nightmare on elm street is probably on two or three no no, no, no i, I see what you're two. saying but my, my my problem with it if i had to pin it down was i don't think it, it and in I think it's about the lead, right? Because really, it didn't know. Thank you very much. It didn't know. Look at that. She knows that she's acting because she's English. Yeah. Um, uh, 
it didn't know what it was. It wasn't horrible enough for me to be a horror. But right. The, the splat scenes of which there were two or three, yeah, which were pretty good. And I, right. But also, I felt like the effects deserved more attention. No, but the reason the reason why I brought it up was that, and Cohen kind of does this with Cue the Winged Serpent, and even God told me. <laughs> Um, and even to some extent, what, what, just just for people who, because they're not going to know about it, give because you know your you know you know your onions. So give us a brief rundown of Larry Cohen and who he is and what he does. Okay, well the things that I like about Larry Cohen is that he tends to take. He's a writer director. He's a writer director of this movie, but he's also written a whole ton of stuff. Most famously, the Maniac Cop franchise, uh, Q, Q the Winged Serpent. He ends up writing phone booths because he ends up becoming a writer just for Hollywood stuff. Like he, he's done. Larry Cohen's famous for having done patch up jobs on like thousands of scripts and never getting credit, and it's all money under the table kind of thing. Like that's who he is. Um, he at a certain point when the well ran dry, the well of money ran dry for people like him. Uh, William Lustig, Glickenhaus, all those, um, uh, Henlotter, all those people working in New York in the 70s and 80s making essentially social commentary movies or horror movies disguised as, no, social commentary movies disguised as horror movies, taking their cues from the 50s uh, um, and the 60s. Um, when the well runs dry of them being able to finance films anymore, he goes off and says, well, look at all these scripts I got made and Hollywood starts giving him jobs patching up stuff and one of the few scripts whole scripts that he writes and gets through is phone booth and what he's known for is the high concept idea like I don't know if he invented it because obviously like Corman is also known for it and there's a lot of people within B-movies that are known for like the single line concept but like Maniac Cop for example is the person you should to should run to for help kills you right uh, and um, this one I guess is like sort of beware what you eat or beware like big marketing things or whatever it is phone booth has the concept of it all takes place in a phone booth how do you make that exciting like and I'm trying to think of other there are other examples uh, the God Told Me To which is all about like a sniper on the roofs of New York but it's also got like a a religious stroke supernatural bent to it as well uh, Cue the Winged Serpent is sort of Cue the Winged Serpent is sort of a mad police procedural but with a dinosaur like with an ancient Egyptian dinosaur that really has no bearing on it other than there happens to be an ancient Egyptian dinosaur who's laying eggs in the Chrysler building but the rest of it is just a mad cops and robbers movie so he likes slamming genres together he likes doing high concept stuff um, and he like he definitely definitely probably closest to Romero I can't really think of someone else I'll wait it's nice that we sat right by the milkshake machine well, the only two seats that are available when we came in. What I'm saying is, of all the people working in the low-budget horror-stroke-monster movie genre of this time period, the only one who is whipping in quite as much social commentary is like Romero and Cohen. I can't really think. Like, but, but in House movies, it's there. In uh, Lustig movies, it's kind of there. In, but in, I guess in like. Stuart George's movie, um, Stuart Gordon's movies, it's kind of there. Uh, it's not really there in Don Coscarelli's movies, Phantasm, isn't it? Um, uh, Wes Craven, I guess. Like, he's putting in a little bit here yeah, and there. But he, but no, he's his more is a, always more psychobabble over social yeah, commentary his, anyway. Yeah, his is more, I think, concept than commentary, I think, with, with Craven. He just comes up with a good idea. But if, you look, at the, if no, you look at the zombie trilogy that Romero does, you look at the crazies, do you even look at Martin? Yeah. Like, a lot yeah, of the okay. ones but Romero this, is doing... This, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, okay, Romero's is a broad stroke. It's, you know, be wary of the people in charge. Like, that is kind of the riding message throughout all his stuff, whether it's racism or whether it's consumerism or whether it's the nuclear panic or whatever it is. The, pro- the problem is still the people in charge. And you can kind of say the same thing about Cohen. Cohen is kind of going like, 
the people who run our corporations and the FDA who are meant to like safeguard us. I don't, I don't think it's that. I, I think it's. I think it's not. So well, it's explicit that and the stuff. No, no, but I, I don't think the message in the stuff is beware the people in charge. I think the message is more um, how easily the things put in place to protect us are um, can be taken advantage of, or rather, how dangerous how dangerous the world is, right. how fragile um, society the right. structures. It doesn't take much for it to fall to pieces, which, right. I, which is, I guess, kind of Romero-esque in a way. Right. And you can also look at... Well, yeah, because Romero always has a bunch of protagonists in a room, and I mean, within 20 the minutes of, they're bitching at each other, even if they need us to survive. Thanks, That'd be great. Thank you. Um... Well, I mean, Romero, is it, does not the Living Dead end with bodies on a bonfire? It does. Yeah, right? Ben gets shot. Yeah, yeah, thrown on a bonfire, just yeah, like yeah. all the stuff gets thrown on a bonfire at the end of this one. So I guess right. there are. I guess there and, are but also, bonfires. there is very implicitly something that he does. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that's great. Thank that's you. that stuff? That's uh, maple syrup, right. pancake, and that's yeah. uh, country gravy, which is like gravy but white. Wait, it's white gravy? Yeah. What the hell's white gravy? For the chicken. Okay, but what's it taste like? Tasty things. Really? Yeah. Um, so, can I just point out? What? We've ordered something. Yeah. With a bowl of the stuff. Yeah, we have, yeah. It's a, we've ordered something that has a giant bowl of what is exactly the same consistency and colour. Right. That's a murdering organism that we just... And it comes from down south. And it comes from down south. Um, But no, there's something that he implicitly does to a couple of the uh, corporate corporate executives Mm. and also... Uh, the face of that, like the actions of Danny Aiello, the FDA dude, that is also saying, like, you know, I, I agree that he's also saying, like, the people in charge can be bribed and can be uh, convinced and can be brainwashed and can be whatever, but like, maybe the illusion is that, like, maybe it's more like, don't be under the illusion that anyone's in charge, everybody's out for themselves. Right, there's also that going on as well. But my thing is, like, I'm putting the stuff all over my chicken. I can't be able to talk about it and eating. What's it taste like? Like gravy. That's crazy. I'm not joking. It's exactly like the stuff. So I think my problem with it is the movie. Right. It all stands or falls on um, Maloney. Moriarty. Moriarty. Arty Morty. Arty Morty. Um, what am I doing? Um, and he annoyed me. Right. And that was a problem. I think. Yeah, and I think I think um, it's um, so slapdash. It's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Right. What? Okay. And I like the spirit of it. The other thing that Cohen is amazing at doing, and I happen to like it, but I think it, it probably bothered you, is that he's not concerned with uh, stylistically letting his dialogue sing yeah. in a Tarantino-esque way, where everyone waits for the next person to start talking so that everyone can hear just incredibly how incredibly fascinating all the characters are. Right. In this, he's written a script, and as long as, like, the main bits get touched upon in between Moriarty's method mumbling and incredibly bad southern accent, Cohen doesn't really mind. So what there is, is every scene film feels... A little improvised, especially when you have like uh, Moriarty and um, uh, Garrett Morris. You feel like they know the script, but they're also kind of like riffing on it and talking over each other and mumbling but and actually, saying little asides and stuff like that. I'll tell you where it reminds me of. It reminds me of um, the Farley Roxburgh movies in that 
there's a lot about the stuff where it's like get the shot let's move on right there's not a lot of yeah we could do that better it's just get it move on that's it right. know your lines say them and let's keep cracking which I liked I liked the pace of it it's just Moriarty chose to play his character um in a particular way and it, right from the beginning it, it, was suppo- it was supposed to charm me right and, and give me like a lovable rogue to follow on this adventure right and instead it just it struck me as false and trying way too hard whereas you see I think that the, the interesting thing about Moriarty both in this like I can't tell you this performance is uh, 180 degrees from the performance he gives in Cue the Winged Serpent. Yeah, I can believe that. I know, I know him from Law and Order. So in Cue the Winged Serpent. Usually a bit quieter. And no, it's in Cue the Winged Serpent, he plays like a mad, sweaty, drug-taking criminal who's like neurotic and crazy and whatever. Right. And on also completely ambiguous and duplicitous, meaning like, yes, he's sort of the hero of Cue the Winged Serpent, but he's also completely out for himself. Like the big plot twist in Cue the Winged Serpent is that when he finds the serpent, he's not interested in like getting rid of it. He's just interested in what the city's going to pay him right. to tell him where the eggs are. Because he right. knows where the eggs are. And he's like, I won't tell you until the city pays me a bundle of cash. Right. Like, but in the, the Cue the Winged Serpent, he's like mad and frenzied and crazy. Right. And in this, even when he could have done with... I don't know, showing any sort of, like, nerves, shock, surprise, excitement. He barely does it. He barely does it. He does it all at... He's decided that this guy is, like, a southern drawl, you know, slow-walking, louche, cleverer-than-everybody guy. Yeah. And he's not going to break a sweat for anything, even when the world's ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... That's kind of wonderful, but I agree how it doesn't service the movie very well. It's not like it's not the who he is necessarily, or even how he's. I mean, no, I mean it is how he's playing. It's just from the. I don't. I can't be. No, the gravy's not. No, the gravy's not grabbing me. I'm sorry. No. Could be just how it looks. <laughs> It does look just like the stuff. It's unbelievable. It's hilarious. But it's it's just that he comes in at the beginning of the movie and he's playing this large and live character who's clearly supposed to be magnetic enough that you'll be, you know, whisked through this really peculiar story. Right. It doesn't have a lot of your standard story beats. It doesn't have a lot of... Um, no. Like, um, there's, no, there's nothing to discover. In fact, frequently he discovers things that he has no right to know. Right. Or he knows just, things that... Yeah, he just leaps to right. conclusions, right. Um, and there's no... They're not really in any peril, really, ever. The times when his characters are in peril, it it's, doesn't really work. <laughs> like, I don't ever really feel, like, any tension. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an odd little film. I think it's extended Twilight Zone episode, really, is what it is. Yeah. But, but you see, I think... You need to have the right guy to, to bring you through that, and and he wasn't it for me. But presumably he was for a lot of people, or he wouldn't have ended up on video shelves. In, I, I, well, I know, but you have to be aware that like video shelves, even in London, were hungry for anything at that time. Like, yeah, because in the eighties, like we all think that you know we're the generation that has discovered these movies and are like singing its praises, but like. The VHS, because let's not forget, this is only a year after the Videos Recording Act, right? Okay. So it's only really a couple of years into people actually having home players. Now, I know that, like, home players were around since the end of the 70s, but it was a bit like when DVD players first came out, or Blu-ray players first came out, or even Laserdisc players. Only the wealthy had them. It was only once it went down to, like you know, a hundred bucks or whatever to buy. It was only really after the VHS Betamax war. Right. And, and VHS became a much cheaper thing. Right. That the whole novelty... Now, remember when Netflix first came out, like, everyone jumped on it, like, you know, a flying shit. And yeah. it's like, VHS was like that. Like, titles were flying off the shelves. 
That's why, like, Evil Dead did so well in the UK, is because they released it in the cinema and on VHS at exactly the same time, and it shot up both charts, because people were just like, yeah, more crazy bullshit. Like, um, VHS was huge business when it first came out. Huge, huge, huge business. And titles like this were, you know, people were craving. Like, so you're saying it didn't need to be good to be popular? No, I mean, look at this. There's so much schlock that comes out at this time. Now, I happen to think this stuff is good because I actually like how unconventional it is. I think if it was just another conventional movie, it would it would kind of be a little... Don't get me wrong. I like that too. What I'm saying is, in order for it to work... Right. If you're not going to give me... If you're not going to drag me in with pace or narrative right. or believable characters or threat or intrigue or tension, if all you're going to do is be weird right. for like an hour and a half, that's totally fine. But then I need somebody in the middle that I can identify with as right. we walk through this weirdness together. Like I could, I would have preferred the movie with the deeply peculiar, big-headed kid um, <laughs> in the middle of it because he was actually better than Moriarty at drawing me into the idea of right. what the hell's going on. And whereas he I was, was, whereas I was quite amused as with the whole idea of casting Moriarty and letting him do what he's doing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I can see how, if you already liked him, and not, do and, that would be quite fun. Right, and not amused as in a... Um, uh, no, no, not in an uh, ironic way, but in a, in, a, in a way where I did find it charming, in a way where I'm just like, I could watch him read the phone book right now. Like, whatever he's doing is so mad that I'm just kind of, I'm really enjoying it. Because no one, I don't care who you pick for that role, no one is playing it that way. You know? No, that's true. Like, only Moriarty plays it that way. And it's also the fact that because at certain points the um, script calls for him to be like a hard nut right. at certain points, like, watching him just going around and casually fighting dudes is quite pleasurable as well. Like, I quite enjoyed that. Right. For me, the person who throws it off and actually spoils the balance yeah. is Garrett Morris. Now, he's only in a couple of scenes, but here's who's he? Garrett Morris. He was um, the chocolate chip Charlie, the guy who had oh, like, the, right. um, the lethal weapons. His hands were lethal weapons. Him, he was um, problematic for me because he was... I don't know whether he was written as a jokey character or yeah. written as a, like... You know, my hands are lethal weapons, like, this is my running gag thing. But he was too flailing, too, like... Like, when he... When he came into the the, um, radio station later in the movie, and you have him doing his, like... And you have... Moriarty doing his mumble, 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 mumble. It was just like mad, like you. It was too much madness. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, you already had Paul Savino being a southern militia leader when he's so obviously a big fat Italian. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Which was totally bonkers. Slurring in between a Italian accent. Like anybody that can fit Paul Savino and Danny Aiello into the same movie and have them have Danny Aiello as a government official, right? and not a mobster right. and have Paul Silvino as a southern military white supremacist as yeah. opposed to a mobster <laughs> but that's what I mean the trouble presumably with filming in New York is nearly everybody you know only ever plays mobsters right but that's also my point is like it, at a certain point it all if, if, if Moriarty had been the only one making wild decisions about how he was going to play a character yeah. and everyone else was sort of being deadly serious yeah. which is sort of what happens in Cue the Winged Serpent like everyone around Moriarty is playing it realistically <laughs> Moriarty is off the chain and chewing various bits of buildings let alone the furniture or the scenery um, but because all three essentially all three main players which is Moriarty Savino and Garrett Morris they're all playing them in an utterly bonkers way like did Morris do a second take it just feels like he ran in did it and then ran off again but that's see that's my point I think it's okay to have a bunch of mad characters if the guy in the middle of it even if it's the kid is steady and like, believe, like his reactions to things are believable right. 
and you can travel the, the you know the mad you know wonderlandy world of this crazy movie with somebody but if everybody involved is you know swinging for the swinging for the acting fences right. with every single line then there's there's nothing to ground it that's my problem there's nothing to ground it and that I will completely agree with you the other thing that I found absolutely bonkers was <laughs> watching it yeah. for me because it's edited in a fairly um, yeah. crazy slapdash haphazard way but because there's enough like going on because it keeps jumping all over the place it felt like stuff was rollicking along like stuff was happening and there was this really gr- there was this really great build up where I certainly felt anyway that the the gradual takeover of the stuff of either the main characters and or subsidiary characters was done in a really nice way and I thought oh my god this is rollicking along like this is going to be over in no time and then I looked at the clock on the thing and I was like wait a minute we've only been watching it 40 minutes yeah I had that and I suddenly went how is this both one of the most fast paced movies but also completely slow at the same time like it's because it didn't have anywhere to go it wasn't going anywhere yeah I mean the third act is nothing I mean the third act they just make shit up the problem is nobody discovers anything like as soon as the kid sees the thing move the, the movie's divided up into people that know the stuff is dangerous and people who know that it isn't. And that's right. it. Nobody has to be persuaded of anything. You don't, they don't have to discover anything. It's just like, oh, we better find out where the stuff's made, so we'll go to this town. Oh, right. it's not here. We'll, but they will move to this town, so we'll go to that town. There's no investigation or mystery or anything. It's just no. people moving, walking into different rooms. And that was it. Even, even the bit where Moriarty's like, oh, I've seen the stuff move now. He didn't see the, he didn't see the stuff. It had left the window before they bust the door down. Right. And then he acts like, oh, yeah, cr- oh, clearly it climbed out that bloke's mouth. And cr- That's a bit of a leap. You're investigating some funny dessert. You found a guy in a back room with his mouth open a little bit wide, and you've gone to, oh, it's taken over their minds from, in, from the inside, and he right. just crawled out the window. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yes, that's what happened, but there's no way for him to know that. There's no way that he would know that. And that's fine. Again, I don't mind, but it's just it just removes some tension from right. Like where's the tension of him going, no, this can't be right. Or something. Nobody had to be persuaded of anything. Nobody was nobody was even like scared. Well that's the thing. Like had he shown it all would have been right had he shown some sense of either wonderment, fear. Anger. Like no, no, I'm just. You're having the chicken and then you're having the waffles. Yeah. I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. No, but that's how I'm doing it. Fair enough. Because I wanted gravy with my chicken. You don't have gravy with your chicken, so you can have syrup all over your thing. But I wanted the syrup once I. Fair enough. So, yeah, no, I saw these people, like, you know, when a kid, you go to McDonald's, and it'd be this kid that would eat all their hamburger, right. and then they would eat all their chips, and then they would drink all their coke. Right. And you'd think, those kids are crazy. What's wrong with them? Right. That's what I'm thinking about you now. I was going to say, I was silently judging you, but that kind of, like, right. I got ruined when I spoke out loud. That was like implicit, really. Yeah. Um, I take all your points, I do, and I agree with you. I still think people should watch it, because... Um, is because underneath all that and underneath the non-existent third act which really doesn't know quite how to end it at all it doesn't know how to end it like it has three endings and none of them make any sense I I like the idea they didn't sell the idea well enough right because the idea which is there's this dessert, right, that's eating people from the inside and taking over their minds. And it's obviously a threat to civilization. Um, and nobody believes them, right? Because, like, why would they? And to finish it off, the only way they know how to is to go to a right wing conspiracy. Now, right. Who's not referenced at any point. It's like, oh, yeah, he's this guy I know. 
Um, and go to him and go, yeah, it's like the communists really are here. You know, they really are taking you over. Like, that would be funny. They kind of needed a scene at the beginning. But it didn't have anybody... Of Paul Savino being on a TV show. Yeah, or something. Like establishing who yeah. he was. Or even and having and then having one scene later on where... As a sort of Bill O'Reilly figure. Because that's kind of what he is. He's like a Hannity, Bill O'Reilly... But then you need a scene where they Rush go to somebody Limbaugh, yeah. to try and persuade them this is happening. And for them to be rebuffed, so they then have to go to Savino. But it was just like, oh, every, every plan they had came off. Everything they tried to do worked. And that's never good for a movie when that happens. So, to talk about this positive, yeah. it's designed very well. Like... <laughs> How do you mean designed? Well, like, the, the, the look of it, the look of the stuff, the packaging of the stuff, the mimicking of the... Commercials. It's, it's got lots of iconic things about it. Right. Um, the I mean, that's, that's what, by the way, that's what bothered me about the set pieces. The effects were really good. Right. And like really gross and really grim. Yeah. But there wasn't enough of them. And I don't, I don't mean like, oh, there needs to be more. I mean, the shots they had. <laughs> right. Like they just didn't linger or give them any time to breathe. Well, that's what I shot. meant about the editing. Was yeah. that. But let's not. Sorry, sorry. The positive about it. Yeah is that it's a madcap horror comedy social uh, message movie that's... I'd say, yeah, madcap horror. That should at least be seen once. Yeah. Right? It's got some great, like, throwback to the 80s, height of the Reagan era, this is what we were being sold, the American dream now comes in a tub kind of thing. Yeah. Like Pepsi, like Cola. In fact, even in one, even in the movie, while holding a Coke can, some character even explic- explicitly says, "Yeah, it's like Coca Cola." I wonder, right? if, like, because we're living in a, in a in a world now where that whole you know, the idea of buy this product and you will be happy thing right. has like gone the way of the dodos, and nobody buys that anymore. I think it's I think it still exists, but, but it does, but in a more in a, in a more subtle way. Right. But I wonder if in the mid eighties where everything was buy this car and you'll be happy drink this drink and you'll be happy and have all your problems go away yeah that that's, that's kind of more what it's speaking to yeah and that, that a lot of that satirical punch which is kind of like, it's cheeky really is what it's doing it's, it's, bit, it's a really cheeky movie and whether a lot of that cheek has worn off thanks, thanks very much thank you whether a lot of that cheek hasn't just worn off over the years because because nobody sells things like that anymore it's been satirised to death but at the time it would have been very fresh you know what I mean because I, I agree with what you're saying about Pepsi and Coke at the time they were getting pop stars to drink the Coke and go look at me I'm happy I'm drinking Coke and this is what the stuff is right except it takes you over on the inside and destroys you yeah and I think what he's saying is on one hand we're sold products and we don't really know what the side effect is right like any side effect of what those like look at the yeah, diabetes look at the diabetes epidemic now right yeah, yeah. so at a certain point people are like we can grow corn and corn's really great because we can put corn in everything and it's cheap and it means we can make these products cheaper and then you jump forward 20 years and you have like massive children with diabetes and an epidemic of like overweight you know yeah, and then like the diet fad kicks in like everything is like these fads and they sell this sell that and when something doesn't work you jump ship and try and sell something else like that's why at the end of it the corporate guys are like oh we've made this new thing called the taste it's exactly like the stuff but it doesn't have as much stuff in it right and it's like that's diet coke right that's like light cigarettes that's whatever it's like it has a little bit of what you yeah, want yeah you're right you're right I think, I think maybe that's why it didn't, it didn't grab me because it didn't the way it would have connected with people in the mid 80s which is it would have been kind of a bit terrifying like because I what I was watching I was thinking where's the terror coming from where's the horror coming from but I guess you're right people start thinking about yeah what the fuck because now we all know we know what Coke does to us we know what fast right. does like we, we're aware of it so we, we still are, we, consume it yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. as if let's say you and me just well just me because that's how I'm experiencing it 
like yeah okay I occasionally better fast food but I know what it's doing to me I try not to eat it all the time but that, at least I'm aware right whereas back then We're, maybe thinking yeah what the fuck? I'm just drinking this stuff because it's sweet like Coke and Pepsi it's sweet and it tastes good it's got no benefit but I can't stop drinking it and nobody wonder, and wondering and you, you're thinking you're sitting there in the cinema drinking your Coke thinking right. yeah what the fuck even is this stuff and look at what's happened what, what do the companies do now what's the big what was the big thing that everyone switched over to it's, what, it's the industry I work in it's specialty food everything's organic non-GMO label it this way label it that way good for vegans it's kosher it's this that and everything else now that might not be happening in every corner of the country but especially food is now like over a hundred billion dollar industry no, you're right. and it's over a hundred billion dollar industry because if you can't sell shit anymore to people right you need to find a way to go okay well we're going to send you, sell you this tiny little wafer that's full of you know chia beans and some other bullshit and we're going to sell that five times the price yeah but leave, leaving aside um, your mad no 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 I'm just no no I'm saying that that I think the that that's why I had a problem with the very end of it because the very end of it doesn't go like the very end of it just goes oh the stuff still exists but it went underground and now it's a drug well that doesn't really play into any kind of like yeah. coke didn't go underground it just got wise and started marketing capping free coke and diet coke and coke zero and coke that like it didn't go underground, it just got yeah, wide. I, I actually felt like... So, like, the last sequence doesn't really make you're any right, sense. That, that last... It would, it would be better if, you know, they're going, we licked it, and then they walk past the store, and there's, like, the taste, you know, in the whatever, and it's like, oh, it's... Because that one, I think, would have made the point more powerful. But that's what I mean, that it had, like, away. three or four... Yeah, yeah, It had three or four endings, and not every single one... Having, having executives to eat the thing, I don't think, packed the punch that it might it, it, I think that's what it was, I think, back then. It, it, I think you're right. There are certain aspects of the movie that probably played way better in 1985. I think it's, I think it's like a... And I would say that probably even Larry Cohen agrees with that. I would say yeah, Larry no, Cohen no, was like, I'm, I'm writing saying, at a time. I where... think the reason I didn't like, connect with it, that I wasn't terrified by was because we're all a lot more aware of what's in our... what, what we consume right. is in our bodies. Now. And we still right. make bad decisions. But at least we're aware of it. And we're even Whereas aware back then, of how like, useless... Well, of course they're going to... Because back then, when you think about it, going back to it, before right. Super Size Me, it's like, well, they're not going to kill me, are they? Like, that's just bad business practice. Right. Whatever they're feeding me, it's going to be good. Yeah, okay. It's just like, never like nutrition. Basically, fine. Never thinking, if I own, you know, only eat this guy, it's right. actively going to kill me. It's going to yeah. poison me. This is, it's shit. Yeah. And that's what the stuff is. Yeah, it's rotting you from the inside out. Right. And the, and, and not hearing a word against it, because it's all part of it. Because again, again. Wait, 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 wait. Back then, back then, when you think about it, right, back then, things like Coke, and, do you remember when the, the, the wall came down, the first thing they said about you know, look at Russia, it's, it's great again. We've opened a McDonald's in yeah. Red Square. And now that would be seen as like the height of, um, you know, poor taste and, right. uh, you know, Western, like all the worst things like going, coming across. But then it was like a triumph. Yeah. That, but things like McDonald's and Coke, and it's like, look, look at the new Pepsi advert with Michael right. Jackson or whatever. Like it was, it was such a big part of the American dream. Right. Capitalism. So everything about what America defined itself about versus yeah. communism. But there's two things. Uh, not only the ending where it becomes a, a traded on the street drug, which doesn't quite make a lot of no, sense you're right, with the satire. The other thing that doesn't make any sense with the satire is that it comes out of the ground. Meaning, if it's a natural substance... Well, no, I think... I mean, that's meant to be like a supernatural element, no, but like it doesn't quite fit the satire. Well, I, I think the point is less to fit the satire necessarily, but more to, in, to induce an ooh reaction. Like right at the beginning, when he just puts his finger and stuff bubbling out of the ground right. and goes, oh, it tastes really good, and just starts eating it. I think that's what's supposed to people... If, if people made it then watching them eat it wouldn't be quite so grim but the right. fact you know that it's just coming out of some bubbling hole in the ground watching people sitting there like spreading into their mouth yeah, it's yeah. like exaggerating that we don't know where it's been or what it's or where it's from but I agree it doesn't fit the satire but I think what it does is it's, it's supposed to induce more of a like a physical reaction to um, 
to the stuff. Like people feeding, like yeah, weirded so. out and grimmed out by people. No, I guess, so. I guess so. I guess so. Because um, one of the things I liked about the movie is it wasn't didn't just stick to its like. Oh, we're gonna stand it. No, no, it's always the same. Um, we're, we're not gonna. Um, uh, like satirise this thing in this particular way. It's all gonna be about structure. He doesn't give a shit about structure. He doesn't give a shit about anything. Except, right. You know, making his points. Having he had a fun idea, and he's just gonna throw shit at it. Right. Um, and that's fine. And, and like. I enjoy the movie's eccentricities a bit more than you do. I enjoy Moriarty more than you do. I enjoy the fact that the plot goes from, you know, we've got to take this tanker back to, like, someone to prove our point to, oh, wait a minute, I know this castle along here where this militia lives. And you're like, wait, Yeah, you're what? right. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I quite like all those twists and turns that it takes. Oh, yeah, because he's in the truck and he goes, yeah. we need to get to a big city where people will believe us. Next stop, a castle in the middle of nowhere where, where there's a militia. Right. Okay, but when did the plan? It's fine. Yeah. We're so, I think he saw the castle and went, "Can we get that? All right, that's no." I, th- I think he had a he had a different ending in mind, probably bigger and more expensive. That's why Sylvino's in there. I think um, they just filmed something cheaper because right. it was cheap. Like there was like eight guys in his militia. Oh yeah, and they were all like none of them were trained at all. Like you, they didn't even bother to get actors or extras that could at least stand to attention. They all looked like. They all look like grips. They all look like yeah, they hairy yeah. grips who were hanging around the set. And um, Larry went, "Go on, stick some army fatigues on that yeah, yeah. fat bearded Which guy and get him to run it." Which is absolutely fine, and that kind of uh, uh, adds a certain like B movie charm to it. But and, and like you say, I also think Cohen is on top of everything trying to make a mad 50s B-movie and when you watch those like mad cheap it came from out of space them 50 B-movies there is like often an actor at a place where you're watching it going how did this guy become the lead of anything and it all you know whatever like just some guy and so I, I guess I guess maybe that's the message of the film it's in contrast to those movies from the, from the 50s it's not beware the enemy from without it's beware the enemy within yeah. beware the things that you think you want yeah. you know beware the things you desire right. um, beware your inability to ask even being, simple being told to you by a guy who's made millions of dollars yeah. working for a massive corporation in fact one of the big corporations you know, I think that's what it is it's supposed to be like don't, don't beware the other that was delicious by the way thank you thank you very much um, like even the, you know the communist thing is a joke in it like right. he's, he persuades Sylvia that oh yeah the communist is to take over which in in another film it might have been like not not necessarily true but at least it could be true because they don't also, know Savino, where it's come from Savino trusts him and actually shoots people based on no evidence yeah that's true yeah but that, I mean, that makes sense because he's just gung-ho enough that he wants to kind of go off and Yeah, shoot. And, I, and I think the whole movie's full of just spin on to the next scene. Right, right, right. Like whenever, and I quite, in a see, weird I like way, that. I kind of admire Yeah, so me too. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when, you, okay, when you're writing a script, right, right. the worst, most difficult parts of the script are how do I get them into the room to say the thing they need to say and then how yeah. do I get them out of that room again yeah. and onto the next and scene? Doesn't care. And he couldn't give a shit. He no. just he writes the scene and then they're onto the next thing. Yeah. And even those two scenes don't even fit together in any kind of logical way. He doesn't give a shit. He right. hasn't got the time. Right. All the, money. Have, all the money. And he's, he's working sort of... And, I, and that's what I mean. I was watching it and, and I was, you know, I was trying to be more like you. I was admiring the things, trying to admire the things I liked. I also thought there was some very effective shots in it. There was some, like, really nice... The opening shot of the, the guy in the snowy mine yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was a really but there was like when they when they got chased by those four guys through the town that was like the backlit shot of them was really good when they went into the news agent and like everything was just all sort of piled up on top of everything and like you paused actually right it was a good pause in the Um, frame the the way he filmed that like ghost town was pretty cool or at least the ghost town itself was pretty cool so wherever he put the camera kind of worked Um, when he went to meet the executive who had that big red carpet and the way the camera pulled all the way back to show like the opulence of the room and then came like slowly moving around his face like there was some really nice like deliberate shots you kind of get the feeling that it's it's all about when he's got the time when he's got the time no no completely it felt like he had time to do three or four scenes particularly well and then um but then um also, the sequence where the family turn, where the family go from being mean yeah, and bullying good. to like 
they're meant to be the family at the commercials. Yeah. Because doesn't the kids say, like, why yeah, are you talking like right. it's a commercial? Yeah. And suddenly it was lit, or they were acting like it was like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which really worked. Yeah. Thanks ever so much. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Have a great Cheers. Day. Bye now. Bye. Look at this little fella. What a crazy little dog. So I guess I'm still walking back to the same, same subway store? Uh, yeah. Shop? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah store? Yeah. Stop. Because i got to go back that way anyway. Jesus, it took me a long, a long time to say the word stop. That's a bit worrying. Um, but I will say this. Um, I'm just going to check we're still recording. Yeah, every, yeah we're still recording. Every now and then... When we Where did it, I get 1985 from? You said 1985. Yeah, it's 85. It was at the beginning. That's what it said at the beginning. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was suddenly like, I didn't look it up. How would I know? Anyway. I, I, one of my favourite things to do with the old movies, yeah. when, it, when they show the title card at the beginning and you get the MCM, you know, XV111 or whatever, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, going, yeah. 1963. Right, right, like right, figuring, right, right, right. That out. figuring it out. Um, but, uh, you mean Roman numerals? Roman Chief, numerals, yeah, yeah. That's what you mean. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, uh, but yeah, sometimes when we watch a film, after we talk about it, I like it more. And that's one of those films. I still didn't... Moriarty... Spoils the movie for me, okay. and I think that a lot of the uh, the connection, like the subconscious connection that the movie would have had with its audience in 1985, right. has largely disappeared now. Right, and it's difficult to get back into it because it's it's. I think it is supposed to be this, um, and that's not really there anymore, which is a shame. Right, but I think it has a lot. I think as a movie, it has a lot of merit, and I and I like it. I liked its slapdash. Um, approach to just let's just get to the next thing that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and I think that my other thing is, I love that it, I love that it exists, yeah. and I love that there was a time and place where a movie like this, like you say, could go international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that Cohen knew that, and in a weird way, is kind of like, um, well, I'm going to make this movie, and it's going to be bonkers, but. It's also going to be like this mass satire, and it's going to be telling people like, "Don't they live?" John Carpenter. It's another great oh, yeah. Reagan it's era, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reagan yeah. era thing, mm. which kind of is saying the same thing as the stuff, with some of its consume, consume, obey, obey stuff. Yeah. Um, so like, the fact that those horror directors or those genre directors, not wanting to pigeonhole them, I'm just saying that's what they were churning at the time. Yeah. The fact that those guys were creating and producing that. And yeah, ripping it a there's bit a, of a mess in with it. There's a lot to admire about that. that doesn't, doesn't which is why I wouldn't go, ah, this isn't so good, don't watch it. I would say, prepare yourself for some performances you've never seen before, because they're a bit bonkers, all the performances. Yeah. And stick around for like some of the special effects, which are, if not greatly produced are at least like original in their style and intent yeah actually I, I think I think the special effects are good I, I, I enjoyed I, them my, my only problem was I, I just needed to, 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 to linger a little bit longer on them to get more of a punch like my you say, biggest biggest problem was the editing yeah my biggest problem that. with the editing there was even a sequence at the beginning where it cut back to there was this whole thing about Danny Aiello being afraid of his dog yeah, Basically because the dog was on the stuff. That was some bad editing. Right. And then it cut back to him being attacked by the dog, but it felt like a big chunk had been cut out. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is an uncut Blu-ray. Like, why would there be something cut out? And it wasn't that there was anything cut out. It's just that it wasn't... They didn't have all the film. Like, he hadn't filmed everything he needed. No, I mean, did, did you notice the really bad body doubles in the motel scene? Yeah, I did. It's yeah, pretty yeah, obviously yeah, 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 not yeah, yeah. the same two people in the motel standing front of the staff. Right. So I guess even, you know, yeah, something they, they didn't get. And that, that, the whole Sorvino thing reeks of something that was even shot like a couple of months later because they couldn't get what they wanted. Right, but I also think that I bet the uh, uh, motel thing was filmed in a soundstage somewhere. Right, 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 right. And he was just like filming from behind to put a ginger wig on him because Moriarty is wearing a wig throughout the movie anyway. Right. Who's going to notice? Are they still filming Lopez and Liotta? I would think so. Bloody, I would think you're gonna have a bloody. you're gonna have a, a job getting Liotta away. From Although free I did pie. realise that we could have walked straight from Jimmy's Diner to yeah, or really straight from Kellogg's Diner. But then, but then we wouldn't diner. have gone through the carnival. Well, we wouldn't have gone through the carnival. 
Well, that's fine. I'm all right with that. But I got you home quicker, which is the important bit. Yes. The important yes. bit is getting you to the subway quicker yes. afterwards. Thank we you. had the nice walk thank earlier. You know. so well, that kind thank of you very work. much for having me. It was a ble- um, it was, dude, dude, how awesome do wanna, was that? Do you want to talk about the Blu-ray briefly? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't... Because, because I've always seen fairly good versions of it, this isn't like a movie where... Um, it was all lost and degraded and shitty and they've done some big great remastering on it this was just it it looked good, it it clearly looked as good as it's ever looked, but it didn't look so like brand new, spanking, shiny and awesome uh, for me to be like oh wow, you know, what work they did on this you know what I mean? Like it's remastered and I'm sure the extras are great, I need to check out the extras and if I do that before editing this, I'll add a little addendum. But yeah, um, yeah it looks great. Yeah, it looked pretty good to me. And if you're a fan of like, if you're a fan of yeah, the people, is. the people that would end up becoming what was called the Masters of Horror, that Showtime series. Your Coscarellis, your Lustigs, your Coens, your Carpenters, your Stuart Gordons. If you're a fan of that, I would say this is a quintessential Cohen film that needs to be seen. But I would say that Maniac Cop 1 and Cue the Winged Serpent are definitely better. That's where I would end it. Cool. Thanks, man. No worries, man. It was a pleasure. Okay, so right about here would normally be the time where I would do some hilarious song all about the movie, all about Michael Moriarty's accent, all about stuff. Who knows? Uh, I could have done that. And uh, if I... But really, I didn't. So I'm not going to go on about it. Uh, What I would like you to do, though, however, is uh, go over to miskplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com and pick up my latest album, uh, which is called Almost Naked by Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures. uh, And uh, that will help uh, support the After Movie Diner podcast. So why don't you go do that? Uh, I will play a song from that album next. That's going to be your song for the week. Uh, but why not go over to miskplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com and pick up the album. It's just $6, and you get 16 tracks. Almost an hour worth of music. Hmm? Huh? Oh, sounds pretty good, right? Pretty, pretty good. So, uh, why don't you go do that? Either that, or just listen to it on Spotify. Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures, Almost Naked. Listen to it on Spotify, and I get 0.01 cent a play. Just out of school Both of us tried to play it cool You with all your piercings and coloured hair We'd hang out most every night Talking rebellion over a tasty bite But acting like we didn't have a care Your eyes were torches and a thick black mascara And I could never take my eyes off you We were both gonna compete in battle My cheap guitar, but I knew your talent would take you far When I saw you playing drums and sticky taco hands The boys would ask me what I saw in you They were just jealous and stupid too You were everything in your tattered cure t-shirt We'd make plans to run away And to take the country by storm one day To shatter the sky and kick some dirt adventures and love for you and me and I visited you every single day all your favorite 45s we would play until the nurses told us off repeatedly your second or last night we escaped to the roof tried that drink that was 80% proof lay under the stars and talked of future plans now 
wish you left me all the memories and a pair of sticks from when you played drums in Sticky Taco House. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.